You're listening to Motherhood Unstressed, the podcast that talks all about the realities of being a mom in today's world, but also gives you practical takeaways for making the ride as fun and stress-free as possible. The way we live life is an art. I'm here to remind you of the power you already have to create a truly beautiful life. Guys, I could not wait to edit this podcast and get it out to you because the guest I have on today is absolutely brilliant. She's a speaker, a writer, a coach, and host of the podcast Truth Telling with Elizabeth D'Alto. In this episode, we cover a range of topics, but most notably, what really stuck out to me was the issue of self-awareness and trust and trusting ourselves and trusting others. I really had no idea what big of a role trust played in our level of health and happiness and stress. And if you're new to the show, welcome. Stress is something that we talk about a lot. And we talk about it because when you're stressed and you're in a a level of bad energy, you're not living life to the fullest. So we get all into that. And she said a lot of things that really stuck with me and that I'm going to definitely be using in my own life. So listen up, enjoy. I hope you get as much out of it as I did. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi offers completely non-GMO organic superfood blends that makes incorporating really good nutrition into your diet insanely easy. You literally do not have an excuse not to get your fruits and veggies anymore because they've done all the work for you. And if you use the code UNSTRESSED, you will receive 15% off your purchase at OrganifiShop.com. This episode is also sponsored by Sunday Scaries. These are the CBD gummies that are amazing for stress, anxiety. If you just want to feel a little more energized or regain your focus without all of that background chatter in your mind that's not serving you, use the code UNSTRESS for 10% off your purchase at 4sundayscaries.com. Lastly, this episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. If this is a company you haven't heard of, believe me, in the next year or two, you will. They are doing amazing things in the world of medicinal mushrooms. Uh, Right now, I'm kind of obsessed with their hot cacao with reishi, which is something I'll drink before bed every night. And it's just so relaxing, so calming, and so good for you. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Also, if you love coffee, but you hate the way it makes you feel, like jittery, stressed, just not well, then they have a ton of uh, mushroom blends for coffee. Uh, They also have a really good matcha. So go to foursigmatic.com and use the code unstressed to save 15% off. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the show. I am so excited for today's guest. I'm here with Elizabeth D'Alto, and she is a speaker and founder of the Wild Soul Movement and host of the podcast Truth Telling with Elizabeth D'Alto, which focuses on uh, reclaiming and redefining womanhood in the 21st century. So I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, People may have heard of you, people may not. So just to kind of give them kind of some context, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became, as is one of my favorite sayings, a soul Sherpa for women, (laughs) a guide for women uh, today. So my original career was in sales. Have you ever heard of Cutco Knives? Yes. I sold, can I curse on your podcast? 100%. (laughs) Shit out of Cutco Knives um, in college. And I went through their management training program and I ran my own district office outside of Washington, DC for a couple of years after I graduated. Um, And then after that, um, I took like one corporate sales job and then moved into personal training. And that was around 2008. So I spent a lot of time teaching group exercise classes. I taught everything, Zumba, total body conditioning classes, spinning classes, all kinds of things like that. Um, and I trained inside gyms. I also had private clients. Um, at that time I was in Hoboken, New Jersey and in Manhattan. And then after fitness, I, I transitioned more into online and I was offering online programs and things like that. But one of the things that I started to realize when I was in fitness was that there was always so much more going on under the hood with people. And it wasn't just about working out. I was so much more interested in the inner workings of things. So I started to study all these other things, psychology, archetypes, energy work, um, masculine and feminine energy, dynamics, relationships, all this other stuff. And as well, I was also just kind of exploring different forms of movement. So I went to some pole dancing classes. I went to some Koya classes with my friend Rochelle Sheik. And I just became very interested in what it, the impact it has on a woman who is very driven, very ambitious, very hardworking, very goal-oriented, as I was, um, who also receives feedback at times that I was too masculine or that I was intimidating or something like that, to um, 
get more into my body and connect to my body for reasons other than just what it would look like. Because up until that point, I'd been an athlete growing up and then I was a trainer and everything was about how my body looked and being really fit. And so um, I'm a real synthesizer. So I took all these things I was curious about to create the Wild Soul Movement Practice, which is sensual movement practice designed to help women get out of the head and into the body. So we use mantras, we use meditation, and all of the movement is like nonlinear movement, somatic movement. We do all these different types of things, none of which are meant to work the body out, Mm -hmm. but more to create this internal experience. And then uh, from there, I started just working with clients in deeper ways, um, speaking. I'd always done speaking since my Cutco days. So it all kind of just intersected and integrated in a really fun way. And then now I primarily, I focus uh, all the Wild Soul Movement oriented stuff is largely online, but I train teachers as well. And I do weekend workshops still, my own. And then um, I more in my private work, work with leaders and artists and innovators and entrepreneurs and creatives to help them just like deal with all the inner stuff that comes up as people put themselves out in the world in a big way. I find that so interesting too, because, you know, you would think of artists and creatives as just naturally in tune with their tap and just being able to do this effortlessly. And that's really not the case. I mean, as I'm sure that you found, I mean, there's still humans, there's still people. Um, But going back to what you said about, you know, women just being so, you know, driven about the the way their body looks. I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and um, I think it was with Elizabeth Gilbert and Glennon Doyle-Melton, and they were talking about how women are objectified since they're like little, little girls. Like the most important thing about you is how you look, you know, how thin you are. And that's it. You know, that's, you're raised to be a princess essentially. And so for you to see that and to tap into these women and and really get them to connect to more than that, because it always starts out with, I want to lose 10 pounds, right? I mean, I know I've seen that with the clients that I work for. That's usually the initial hook that gets them to work with me. And then it's like, oh, so much stuff else, you know, comes out. It's like about my relationship and how, yeah. how I grew up and, you know, stuff that I dealt with then. And it's just like, wow, you know, there's just so much more going on. Yeah. I mean, I used to, I intuitively, I always used to ask my personal training clients, why? Why do you want that? Like, what do you think that that's going to get you? Because we are very cultured to be attached to those external things as if that, that determines our value or our worth. And it really doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. And I think until you actually either hear someone say that, or you, you're just like creatively writing or journaling and you actually get that down, you don't even realize it. Like it's not even at the forefront of your mind, which I think is so dangerous, you know, as, as a, as a woman, as a person, you know, anybody to not really be aware that that's out there and that's a weight on our shoulders. I mean, well, it's, it's internalized programming. So we don't know until we know. Exactly. Wow. Um, so I first found out about you through IIN. I heard you speak and there was this moment in your speech that really like snapped me to attention. Um, and it was when you were talking about when you were, I guess you had seen some clients, you were doing your physical fitness training and you were walking home and you just had this flash. So can you talk to us about that? Yeah, it was was so funny. It was in 2011. Uh, No, it wasn't. It was 2012 because I lived in New York. Um, I just realized I loved myself. (laughs) It was like December. Oh, no. It was 2011. It was December 23rd, 2011. It was like right before Christmas. I was walking from the subway back to my apartment and I was just like, oh my God. It was just like this feeling, you know, like, you know, the feeling when you like know that you've like fallen in love with someone else, but mm-hmm. I had it for myself. <laughs> and I like recorded myself a voice note on my phone, which somehow many iPhones later, my phone has still saved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just so interesting to me that there was this big, this moment of all this work, this personal work I had done and coaching and, you know, my own work with other people, all these things reflecting back. And I was like, wow, cool. This is what this feels like. This is real. Wow. And, you know, I feel like self-love is something that people talk about a lot now. And not that 2011 was that long ago, but it certainly wasn't as much of a buzzworthy topic then as it is now. I agree. So it was, So when it hit me, it like really hit me. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think it kind of, when you were talking, it reminded me of, you know, what Steve Jobs said, which is, you know, you can't really understand how you got to a place until you turn back and you see all the different points that led you there. So it was like that note was just a piece of the puzzle to help you in your role now with how you're, you know, helping women connect to their inner tap and their intuition. I love that. Yeah. 
Wow. So another buzzword is self-awareness. Um, what's your theory on, you know, can we ever really know ourselves? And, you know, if so, how do you get women to really get acquainted with themselves and get them to, to know themselves and love themselves like you did? Uh, well, first of all, I think there's a difference between self-awareness and self-knowledge. And I think awareness has to um, come first. Because we have to observe ourselves. In order to be aware of ourselves, who we are, how we operate, how we show up, we have to be able to observe ourselves. So we have to be able to slow down enough to be able to observe how we are interacting you know, with ourselves and with life and with other people. Because so many people are just operating on autopilot, completely unaware. And they're not even looking. They're not even paying attention. So in order to be self-aware, you have to start paying attention to what upsets me? What delights me? When do I feel really good? When do I feel really bad? And start putting together the patterns and just noticing. It's, it's not much different with our health, right? What foods give me a stomach ache? What foods energize me? What foods make me crash? What foods really boost my energy, you know? So we start to observe. It's much easier to observe external things because we can never really see ourselves very clearly anyway. So I think part of self-awareness is stepping outside of our comfort zone so we can see how we respond and how we engage with people, as well as putting ourselves in experiences with people who don't think like us, who don't look like us, who aren't, who don't share all of our beliefs and our views and our ideologies. You know, this was a big, big eye-opener for me about two years ago. Really, it started four years ago when a, a woman in my community had reached out to me about something I said or did that she found to be offensive. Mm. Um, and I was like, well, and I didn't see it at the time. I was just like, well, maybe you want to think about why that triggers you. Like mm. classic coaching industry, spiritual bypass, do not like not like listening to someone and just being like, well, what's going on with you? Instead of being like, let me take this feedback and dig into it a little bit. So I think there's also as well, a willingness to receive people's feedback and just look at it. Doesn't mean they're right, right? Because people project on us all the time, but to just go, huh, is there any truth in that? And so one of the biggest ways of everything I just said, one of the biggest things to notice really is the two first things I said, what triggers you? Like what upsets you? Like fires you up, makes you mad, angry, upset or any of that. And then what delights you? Like what really triggers you into like joy and excitement and passion and enthusiasm so that you can start to learn more about yourself. And so once you begin to be aware, then the knowledge can boot up. And I love to use tools like astrology or Enneagram or human design or Myers-Briggs, any of these personality typologies, not necessarily to like go, well, this is how I'm an ENFJ. I'm just like the write-up <laughs> says, no, but to just get an idea for who I am and how I'm built. And the other reason I love those is because seeing how uniquely I am built helps me to stay also aware of how uniquely other people are built and that we're not built the same. Right. So it's I can be patient with myself. Yeah. I can be patient with myself. I can be patient with other people. And I can also understand that like, I'm just not for everyone and everyone is not for me. So it also really helps us to have boundaries. So, cause you asked about self-love and part of that is self-acceptance. I to accept myself as I am. And there are things that I could work on, but there are some things that are just in my nature mm-hmm. and I'm not going to try to change them. I'm just going to go, this really is me. And so like for me, for example, right now in my life, I need things related to like my health and fitness need to be so convenient in order for me to do them. So mm-hmm. even with like my food, I need things that are like pre-chopped up or like I need to pre like I need to be able to like grab and go because I'm not in a phase in my life where I really care to like cook that much or do that much. But I'm also really not interested in like eating out for every meal because right. it wastes, wastes money and I don't always make the best choices if that's what I leave myself up to, right? So even just knowing, okay, it has to be convenient and it has to be like a little premeditated so I'll actually do it, that really helps me stay on track. And that's like a s- simple thing. But I think a lot of people can relate to that. Oh, absolutely. But the, another thing, like another question I have is how it's such a fine line between, well, this is just the way I am. And then also, well, why don't you try to improve on that? You know, so how do you how do you go between that line? Whereas, you know, self-acceptance and self-love, like I know who I am. This is just part of my nature versus, you know, I'm always striving to be better, do more, you know, did it like take it to the next level? Cause I struggle with that. Like I'm, I'm always trying to improve myself, always trying to take it to the next level. And it's like, well, do I not accept my, accept myself then? Like, 
this is the paradox of personal development, right? right? It's like, I do accept myself and I'd like this thing to be better. They coexist, right? I would like to be better at this, but I think it's, it's where you're coming from and it's what's the internal dialogue about it. If the internal dialogue is, if I don't do this, mm. this is wrong or I'm not good enough or this like, if it's, if it's coming from a place of feeling like you need to fix, that's a problem. Yeah. But if it's just coming from a place of being like, I would love to have a better experience around this area of my life, right? So we get to look at, and I mean, as women, especially, I'm assuming most of your listeners are women, we're cyclical creatures, just like nature. There's seasons and cycles for everything. And so again, there's times in my life when certain things, my values are different, my priorities are different. So based on what my values and my priorities are is what I'm personally choosing to seek improvement or deeper practice around. And it's not necessarily because someone criticized me about this thing and now I feel like I need to be better at it. Yeah, I love that. I love how you brought in the self-dialogue part of it because honestly, I didn't even realize the internal talk that I was having until I started a meditation practice. I had no idea how negative the thought cycle was and how harsh I was being on myself. And it took those first few sessions of me just, you know, sitting down and and trying to do it with a little book and whatever. And it was just like, whoa, like, dang, Lizzie. I mean, it was just, I had no idea. I was on autopilot. And that loops us back to the self-awareness that we talked about earlier. Meditating forces you to pay attention to yourself. (laughs) And it's so hard. Like I honestly, I was meditating yesterday and I couldn't have been more antsy. And I was like, I've been doing this for freaking 10 years. Like what is going on? And I think I must've sat down for like five to seven minutes and I couldn't wait to jump up. I mean, it was crazy. So many things are like that too. It's like training for a marathon. There's, there's days when you have amazing runs Maybe your 13-mile run went amazing, and then a couple days later, your three-mile run sucked. And you would think if you nailed the 13-miler, why was the three-miler hard? But like meditation's like that too. Some days it's like you just drop right in, you're blissed out, you're getting like downloads from the universe. And other days, like (laughs) I can't even sit still for three minutes. (laughs) So you obviously love meditation. What else do you recommend for women getting out of that autopilot mode and, and just being really present and aware in their lives and like lit up? Like your energy right now is so insane. And I feel like you're always like this. I kind of am. (laughs) And you know what? Like I even woke up, I'm on day 22 of my menstrual cycle. So this is like a low energy day for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I know. You know what? Someone recently likened me to like uh, an excited puppy. (laughs) And I was like, it's kind of like that, whatever. No, I love it. I love that. um, Really, it's the sensual movement. That this has been monumental for me to spend time in and with my body moving slowly paying attention to what I feel and where I feel it and doing, when I say nonlinear movement, I mean like the types of things you would do in a warm up at a pole dancing class. So you're like mm-hmm. rolling your, shir- your shoulders and your chest and your hips. And it's like these slow sensual movements, or it doesn't even have to be slow, but things like shaking out your body or self massage, you know, so often throughout the day, my hands are somewhere like on my body. I'm like rubbing mm-hmm. myself or like touching myself. And so I'm very affectionate with myself. And in fact, that is on autopilot for me now. And uh, I take salsa lessons and my salsa instructor asked me, he's like, I noticed you tap your chest sometimes. What's that about? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, don't even, I don't know. But I, I thought about it later and I realized, you know, during those lessons, He's very direct, which sometimes feels like criticism. And I mean, it is, right? He's critiquing so I can learn and I can get better. And that's kind of like, I guess, instinctively me, like staying in my heart and like staying open wow. and like being in my body so I could be receptive and not like shut down because it's, it's painful and uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. That's, I did a, I did another episode recently, um, with a sex coach and we got all into, you know, this, this issue, this lack of knowledge women have about themselves and their bodies. Yeah. And there's like zero comfortability with sexuality, especially in this country. I mean, I feel like I'm sure you've traveled in other countries. It's totally different. And it's like they're trained in school about sexuality, not, you know, the typical sex ed class. But like, really, it's just it's a tragedy, I think, because then it's like the woman doesn't even know what she wants and what makes her happy. Doesn't even know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, go go for it. 
oh, I was going to say, yeah, like we don't even know. We don't know that like this is where our wisdom lives. We don't know that if we slow down to long enough to tune in that our body will tell us when something is a yes for us or when it's a no for us. Our bodies, I call it learning to speak your body's unique language of the senses. And I call it unique because my body's signals might be different from yours. So I can't tell people definitively like, oh yeah, your yes is going to feel like this and you're going to feel it here. That's not the case. I mean, typically a yes is going to feel opening, enlivening, expansive, or calming or grounding, right? Mm -hmm. A no would feel more like constricting, maybe even painful or tense or heavy. Um, Or it might make you feel like really anxious if something's like, if your body's going like, no, that is not for you. And even just knowing those two things are enable us to be a bit more discerning about stuff to just slow down. And so I guess the other answer to the question too, is just to breathe. If we're not, breathing is the easiest way to be present, like really breathing, like a deep breath. I can't tell you how many times throughout the day, whether I'm sitting in my car or I'm doing something that I'm like, I just need like that reset breath to like come back, fill myself up with air. Even just like three in a row is really a great way to get present, especially if you feel triggered or you're having a reaction to something outside of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important because, I mean, you know, we're both in that holistic health realm. You know, I, I promote meditation and breathing all the time and I still catch myself like shallow breathing, not breathing like every day, all the time. And it's like, you know, do I have an anxiety disorder? I don't know. I mean, maybe, <laughs> but it's like, I just, I, I like, it's still kind of new to me and I've been kind of doing this for years and years and years. So I know like for the general population, focusing on your breath taking time to meditate, like really getting in tune with the body is not something most people are doing. And, and, and it's really, I think that's honestly, I think that's a big reason why, you know, obesity is so bad in this country, why, you know, a lot of people are dealing with anxiety and depression and things like that, because there's just been such a disconnect from their bodies and from nature. I, I agree with you. And also the body in a lot of ways is, this word feels a little intense, but I can't think of a better one, is demonized. Mm. Especially for women, the body is an enemy. It's this thing that we think we have to control that constantly isn't doing what we want it to do or looking the way we want it to. And we're not on the same team. Instead of realizing that really we're here to serve the body. The body gives us the information. We could work with the information. Like it could really be a harmonious like team effort when we you know, align with our body and what's going on rather than treat it like this thing that should just be bowing to our every whim. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And then when you go back to what you're talking about, like energy and reading energy and things like that, like our bodies are constantly communicating with other bodies. And so yes. if, you're, if your vibration is at like a, a negative level, like whether you're smiling or not, I feel like other people intrinsically know that. And then you know about them too. So it's like, you might as well get on the same page with your body and do what you need to do, you know, do the work to, to make it a, an amicable relationship. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I I had taken an intentional year and a half off from dating after my last relationship ended, but I started dating a couple months ago. And, you know, I live in Los Angeles now. And I'm not, I don't fit into any kind of like societal norm box for the most part. I'm a mixed race person. I have a curvy body. I have like wild curly hair. I have freckles. Like my beauty is not any kind of like traditional beauty. And, you know, I don't check the boxes. And Los Angeles is obviously a very like vain place, you know? And there's a lot of people with plastic surgery and like the perfect, that, that like wavy, like Kardashian long, beautiful <laughs> hair. And, you know, I'm five foot three. It's not like I'm tall. And <laughs> I remember when I started dating, thinking like, is anyone here going to be attracted to me? Like, oh. I feel like when I go back to the East Coast, like, yeah, like I'm walking down the street and like men are going <laughs> to... But I was like, but I've been delighted to find out that, you know, energetically, I love myself. Like I'm a confident, happy person. I take care of myself. So because I have good energy and because I'm not drained and I'm not negative and I'm not upset all the time and I'm not like worrying all the time, that is actually where my magnetism is. And like, I'm not super into like the whole, like whether people are attracted or not, that's not the only thing, but it's just been it's been interesting to me. There have been people that are attracted to me that I would have just like in my mind, because my own conditioning been like, no way, that guy is attracted to me. <laughs> and it's for reasons far beyond friggin', you know, being like a perfect size two or anything like that. 
100%. I love that. And I still love that you still had that little bit of like self-consciousness, like, oh, are they going to like me? Because of you're course. amazing. You're amazing. I mean, you've well, got you. all these things. And yeah, like the energy, I think, speaks volumes, I mean, to people. Um, so that, I mean, you, you are really comfortable with yourself, which is, I think, why I really was drawn to you and why I definitely wanted to have you on this show. Um, and I love that you talk a lot about trust. Um, mm-hmm and its relationship to stress and our happiness and our health. Um, So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So back um, earlier this year, I created this trust assessment because one of my pet peeves about self-help and personal development is goes back to something you said earlier, people in this like hamster wheel of just trying to fix themselves and fix themselves and like always reaching for the next podcast or the next book or the next course or whatever. I'm like, how do you know? If all this work is actually working and trust, how much you trust yourself is actually a huge indicator. So I created this trust assessment to basically be a progress measurement tool for people who were doing personal development work. So you could see how well you're doing and also see in what areas of your life, in your health, in your wealth, in your relationships and in your self-mastery. Because I think we, we do this blanket generalization thing where if we don't trust ourselves with men, for example, to keep on the dating streak, we go, oh, I don't trust myself. But that might not be true. You might really trust yourself in your relationships with your girlfriends or in your job or in you know, something else, maybe as a mother or you know, whatever. Um, and so it's important to kind of like let things be contextual and categorical to be a little more clear. Because again, women, are, we are kind of wired to be like very self-critical because we're wired, our brain is wired to adapt. Like that's very primal, that's very biological. And so if we do feel criticized, if we are criticized or we interpret mm-hmm. being criticized, which doesn't always mean we were, right. we will try to adapt to be what we are perceiving the external stimulus wants us to be. So developing the self, and, and if you think about that, all the things that are outside of you that you're trying to live up to, the perfect body, the perfect mom, the perfect career woman, I'm supposed to be able to have it all and do it all at the same time. Um, that's why so many people are so stressed and so anxious, right? One of the things I say a lot is that most people in the year 2018 have more on their plate than any one person should. Mm-hmm. But when we trust ourselves, we could be more discerning we can have boundaries. We can know what to say no to. We don't have to, we can let go of people who have those tendencies towards perfectionism and people pleasing. And I'm not saying fully let go, but just like even 1%. And over time, those 1% set up. And in a couple of years, you're like 50% less of a people pleaser than you used to be. And you have all kinds of time and space for yourself and the things you care about rather than being like worn out and worn down all the time. And a lot of that comes to trust because to be able to say no to people or yes to the things that you really want to say yes, to even like own your desires and go after your goals and dreams, or even have courageous conversations with people that you know you need to have that you've been putting off. You know, there's so many different ways that trust propels you forward and helps you to have more experiences that you want to be having and less that you don't want to have. As we upload that trust, we can really create space for all the things that we, we would prefer. Does that answer the question? 100%. And I think that that's so important. I think that's honestly what everybody wants. Nobody wants to be stressed out. Nobody wants a million things on their plate. And especially, you know, for the majority of my listeners who are mothers, I mean, most of them are working full time. And then they're also on the freaking PTA and they're doing these activities and I'm getting emails all the time. And I'm like, I'm not fucking doing that. Like I'm busy. (laughs) How do these women do it? And I'm just like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to be in a position where I'm, you know, resentful of these actions because I'm putting myself out there. So I will step back, but I think the majority of women out there, like they, they feel really, really bad. They feel guilty that they're not participating in every field day and every book fair and all this stuff. Like I hear, I hear it a pickup. So how can these women start to gear up that 1%, you know, and kind of let these things go without that internal guilt stalking them in the stomach? It's a great question. And I'm so glad you said you, you just highlighted the key, which is resentment. Resentment is an indicator that you're overgiving. If you feel resentful, you gave too much in, 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 in any area of your life. And the guilt comes from these false beliefs about what, are, what we are obligated to versus what are actually our responsibilities, right? There's so many things that we are not responsible for, but we take it on. And so 
where people can start is really, um, to be quite honest, it sounds self-serving, but take my trust assessment, go to the trustassessment.com. It's free. It'll really help because one of the things that you'll get back, um, a trust score that's like ranked, there's five different categories that your trust score could be in. And it'll kind of tell you like, what, what are your tendencies here? And what does this look like? So you can kind of, again, it's that awareness. You need to know what you're doing too much or too little of, or, you know, where you're really nailing it. So you can go cool. Like I can keep going with that. This is a little problematic. Let me adjust that. It just gives you a starting point and the awareness like we were talking about earlier. So that's a place to start as well as looking at where you do feel. The places where you feel guilty and resentful, resent shows you where you are overgiving. Guilt shows you where you have a desire for something that you're not listening to. Ooh. I so if you feel guilty about not being able to do the PTA, you likely have a desire to be like serving your children or like participating in their education in some way that you're not. But the PTA might not be the only way to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or it also might be showing you, if you feel guilty about that, that you have a desire to be more involved in other things. But again, that's just not the best choice. Does that make sense? Like there's usually some kind of like desire under guilt, but also um, an obligation that goes against the desire. Does that make sense too? Yeah. Because obviously if I really wanted to do that, it, I would be on the PTA, you know, I would be doing that or, you I'd, know, I'd, I'd make it happen. Yeah. Right. We always have resources for the things that we really value. So again, I always bring people back to what are your values and what are your priorities? Mm -hmm. Because often if you look at all of the things that you do, a good chunk of them, probably a third to half are not in alignment with your values and priorities. And they are probably the things that are causing you the guilt and the resentment, the stress or the anxiety. I think that I just want to stop. I think that is such a powerful statement that you just said. I want everyone listening to rewind 15 seconds and listen to that. <laughs> I will be doing it because yes, that's so true. Where are your priorities? What are your values? And do they align? Because yeah. I would say nine times out of 10, they don't. And then yeah. that's why people are like struggling and not as happy as they could be. I mean, I feel like this, this is the whole point in the podcast. Like we're here to live a beautiful life. Like that's why we're here. We're here to play and enjoy and, you know, mix it up and, and do important things and serve others. We're not meant to be miserable and, and stressed out and, and feeling obligated and guilty about life. I mean, that's just not, that's missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So when you work with women, what is the most common issue that you see coming up again and again? You're like, Oh, here we go again. Like this again. It's really, it's the self-trust. So I don't treat symptoms. I don't, the symptoms just indicate what's at the root of a thing. This is, this is one of the things that, um, I, I often refer to myself as like, I'm the shitter get off the pot person. I'm the person you come to when you've had this lingering issue for so long and you've thrown everything at it and you're just so fed up. You're like literally ready to give up. I'm your girl because I will, we will get to the root of the thing. It's because it's like pulling weeds. You can pull the weed out, but if you don't get the root, the weed's going to grow back. And I think there's so much of self-help and personal development and spirituality that's just like chopping down the weeds, not pulling them out by the roots, which is why people end up in those hamster wheels. Or when someone has like a goal or a dream or something that they've like been really wanting to go for, but they're like too scared or they're procrastinating and like, but they feel, they feel either ready or like it, it now is the time. People don't always feel ready. Right. Feel urgency. Um, that is where I can help people the most because there's a level of commitment. And so the, when I say I don't treat the symptoms, I use the symptoms to go, okay, what's really the thing? And the, at the root of so many things, it really is the self-trust. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, again, I went all in, like I created that trust assessment because I was like, this is, and even in my Wild Soul Movement program, there's four um, topics in there. The second topic is trust and receiving. 
And I've been running this since 2014. So four years now, that is where people get stuck. Wow. Okay. And I will say, uh, I did take the assessment. Yeah. I need some work, girl. (laughs) (laughs) And it's nothing to be, and I always want to reiterate for people, I even wrote it in there for people who get like a low or a, a medium to low score. I'm like, I know that that doesn't feel good to receive. Everyone, we're very programmed to like want to be the high score, the high achiever, but isn't it cool to know and go, cool, this is what I need to work on. Definitive. Yeah. Like it's in writing. It says it right here. It's been assessed. And now I can like get busy doing something about it. I don't need to. So just what I'm saying, anyone listening is if you take the assessment, waste zero seconds beating yourself up. If you get a low score, just know that it's a really high value and high leverage thing to work on if that's the case for you. Yeah. And I suspect, honestly, the people that listen to the show and that, you know, are going to seek you out and take the assessment are people that know that there's some kind of underlying issue or know that they want to improve their lives or want to be the best version of themselves. Like that's why they're tuning in right now because there's this yearning for improvement and development. Um, so I'm, well, that'll definitely be in the show notes for everybody. Thanks. Um, but talk to us about your podcast and I just have recently been like binging on all these episodes. They're amazing. They're hilarious. Um, and you really, you really dive deep. I feel like everything that you say on these shows is so authentic. And so there's like zero hesitation. There's zero, just any kind of inhibitions. And it's like, wow, like she gets it. So talk to us about the inspiration for the show and, and, and we'll get into who you've talked to. So at the time of recording this, first of all, thank you for listening. And I, I always love to hear from people that they enjoy it. Um, uh, at the time of recording this, we've just crossed over. The show's been around for almost three years now. I think our episode this week might've been like 256 or eight or something like that. And I originally, I'm obviously a very extroverted person. And so, you know, for many years, and I've always kind of lived in cities. So I've always been out and about and meeting a lot of people and I go to events and, you know, I just, I know people from all these different areas of my life. And then I'm constantly meeting new people. You know, people want to connect. I'm a connector. So people are always connecting me too. So um, I would be meeting people like sometimes over Skype and like having these epic conversations. And at a certain point I was like, I should be recording these. You know, there's no, like, I get so much out of this. I'm sure people listening will get something out of it. And so that's what originally motivated me. And I created it almost, I launched it almost a year after I had launched Wild Soul Movement originally. And so the focus, like you mentioned earlier, the original name of the show was called Untame the Wild Soul Woman. And um, the main focus was reclaiming and redefining womanhood for the 21st century. And that is still a large part of the focus. But um, this past January, I rebranded to call it Truth Telling with Elizabeth D'Alto. Because one of the things for me, as I've evolved as a coach and a leader and, you know, all the different things that people call me um, or, and how I function in my work is realizing where I had big, big, big blind spots around these massive issues in our culture racism, privilege, white supremacy, all these things. Um, They're intimidating topics for some people. For some people, it's like, duh, this is just the way it is. And I really had some blind spots around that. So as I started to unpack that, um, I just saw all the ways the old title platform guests I was consistently having on the show were just really incomplete. And again, as I shifted, we've been talking about values and priorities. Mm -hmm. Those are not fixed. They evolve over time. And I really wanted to include more awareness and acknowledgement of those things into the podcast. So when we shifted to truth-telling, we shifted to a more comprehensive conversation around things that affect our society and culture, not just things that affect women, certainly not just things that affect white women, and certainly not just things that affect people who are like aware and awake and already on that seeking path. Um, definitely giving voice in my community and on from my platform to things that really impact people on the margins. Because when you are a privileged person, when you are a member of like the dominant race or the dominant sex, it's really easy to not pay attention to what's happening to the people on the margins and how they're impacted by our culture that favors you as well as like your own actions. And so I've been incorporating a lot more of that. And as I learn, I'm always teaching from my own experiences. I learn, I share and I share as I go because I, you know, I mess up, but we, part of my thing is about just modeling for people. Mm-hmm. 
That's all you can do. Permission. It's all we can do, right? So, um, and I'm just, I'm not afraid to go first. So, and, and by the way, I'm not first in having these conversations. By go first, I just mean, I'm not afraid to do something and go, hey, I did this thing. Here's how it went. Um, and which might encourage people to dive into a conversation or consider a perspective that maybe they hadn't before. So I love the show for that reason. And I also love being able to just connect with people that I maybe wouldn't have connected with otherwise as well, like people that I admire and I respect and I read their books to be able to help them or amplify, you know, their voice or their message or their mission. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's a total symbiotic relationship, you know, you're both, you know, helping each other. And at the same time, having these amazing conversations that could potentially change someone's life and make someone feel better. Like, wow, like someone's talking about me or they're talking to me. I mean, that gives me chills. Like that is just, that's, you know, I wanted like God's work, you know, I mean, it's just so important and it's, and it's, you know, it's free, you know, it's, it's your time and time is very precious, but it's like you can give this gift to somebody and that's, that's magic. Yeah. It's super fun. And we do, we get tons of messages in the inbox all the time of like this episode changed my life or, you know, this has been so it's, it's awesome. It's fun. When you started going to like out to the margins and speaking to these issues of like race, was there any blowback from like your old fan base who started out just being like, I thought this was going to be just about womanhood. And you know, what's interesting going with this, you're getting too political. Um, it's kind of similar to like when I decided to transition out of fitness into more like embodiment and like deeper, more spiritual topics. I am not a person who receives a lot of blowback from people, but we, we lost a ton of listeners. So it's not like we were criticized for it. Um, but a lot of people bailed, which I was okay with because if people don't want to come in this direction, then they're not, they're not my people, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the people that you are helping need you, you know, on such a greater level. And there's always going to be fitness people out there and serving the ones that left, but the people who really need the attention and the voice, like you're serving them. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. There's just no shortage of anyone talking about anything on the internet. <laughs> like, there's <laughs> always someone else. There's always someone else. Yeah. But to have the courage to, to go forward with that, I think is really commendable. Thanks. So going back to, you've had over 200 episodes, who really stood out in your mind and like who, what conversations do you still sometimes think about? You know, it's so fascinating. Um, I just, I interviewed a woman yesterday named J. Love Calderon, who she's a basically like a lifetime activist. And that was like, that conversation moved me. I was like moved for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonia Renee Taylor of The Body Is Not an Apology. I am so, and, and they both were very moving for the same reason. They do justice work, activism work. They, they come from different places and they're addressing different things, but they're also... Um, addressing a lot of similar things. And even though like they, they can hold the anger and the injustice, but with deep compassion and with deep love and this like rigor for creating change and getting results. And they're just like so honest about the experiences and they don't leave any part of the experience out. Um, so those, those two always come, not always, because I really just, I, I mean, the J-Love interviews and even up, but I was super moved. That's just like present, top mm-hmm. of mind. Sonia Renee Taylor is one of the ones I always say. Um, let me scan. You know, Martha Beck, who is a, kind of a famous life coach. She has a coaching academy. She's written all these books. She was like one of the most fun because she's like a maniac in the best way a person could be a maniac. <laughs> I laughed so much. She helped me interpret some of my dreams in that interview. Oh, Wow. Um, so Martha Beck was super fun. And then I, I happen to be like really blessed that a lot of people who come on the show are good friends of mine. So it's always fun to geek out publicly with people who I love that I geek out with privately all the time. So uh, my friend, Laren Alta, that was a really great conversation. That one stands out talking about like diving into like the shadow of life, not just like the bright and shiny. And I love that that we're comfortable with. Um, yeah, I would say those, those are, those are top of mind for, I'm like scanning over at the board that has some of the past interviews. Um, but the, Oh, and you know, I'll say one more in January. Um, I had an experience in a relationship of a lot of like dealing with narcissistic behavior and emotional abuse and stuff like that. And so um, learning about my own codependency and stuff. So dear friend of mine, Terry Cole, I've interviewed her twice, as well as a woman named Lisa Romano, 
who specializes in helping people who had narcissistic parents. Ooh. And that was whether or not I, cause I don't, I don't have narcissistic parents, but everything she talked about was just, it's so helpful because people who deal with narcissism or emotional abuse, I mean, it's such, it gets up in your brain and your mind and you question yourself. And so she just gave some really helpful, but also again, like really loving, really compassionate perspective, but like fierce and honest perspective on that. So, I mean, I can go on about this all day, but I'll stop there. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm definitely going to check those out. I mean, I don't, I don't believe that I had narcissistic parents either, but I feel like everybody knows somebody who's either been in a narcissistic relationship or mm-hmm. who's had one or both parents. And so it's, I think it's, it's systemic really. And so that's, mm-hmm. and it's sucking the joy out of life. You know, like we talked about before, it's like, you're wasting your years, you know, doubting yourself and, and being miserable. So, yeah. And it is all about the delivery. I feel like, you know, we hear messages from people. Some messages come more clearly when it's delivered in a certain way to us, the teacher or, you know, a professor or whatever. So to have that skill, to be able to really deliver that message, I think is really, it's really powerful. You know, and if you can do it the right way, you can get your message out to as many people as possible. I totally agree with you. So my salsa teacher has become a friend of mine and a piece of feedback. He was like asking, I gave him, I'm like, if you could learn to speak the language of encouragement a little bit more with women, they can probably learn faster. Because again, when you're just like so direct, it's like, it hurts. Very masculine. I shut down like during the lessons. I can't get as far as I would if you were like, encouraging me as much as you were like picking me apart. And I get that it's a contextual thing and it's a lesson, but still like if you could be gentler with the communication, I would be able to accomplish more. And if that's happening for me, I'm sure it's happening for other people. Oh yeah, totally. How did he respond to that? He, he was like, it's a really good idea. And then in my very next lesson, uh, he said something <laughs> like, I'm here to show you what you're doing wrong. And I'm like, cool, that went right over your head. It's fine. This is a work in progress for you. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll tell you again another time and you'll actually hear it. It's fine. Oh, oh. Cool. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but we've gotten to the point of the interview where I asked the guests the same question and I'm always so interested to see, cause I get so many different answers and it really gives me like a sense of the person and who they are. Um, but what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? So I love people ask some variety of this question often. And oh, great. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, what advice would you give to your younger self? It's kind of like the same thing. <laughs> and, um, my answer is always nothing because every single moment of my life has led to like being here right now. And I really like being here right now. I wouldn't want to change anything. Cause it's like, if you, if a ship like sets sail and you change the direction by like one degree, it will land in a completely different place. And so I just, I'm fully accepting of who I am, how it went, how I got here. And so um, I say nothing. I love it. Of course you would say nothing. You trust yourself. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, you're awesome. I loved having this conversation. Um, But so, so what's the future of the Wild Soul Movement and the podcast and where you see you and yourself as a brand essentially going? This is a great question that I'm also not going to answer because, um, or my answer is like, who knows? Because it's really, it kind of goes back to something that you were asking about earlier. It's just like being present. I know like where I am right now and I'm taking my foot off of the gas on doing things like doing these big launches and, and online marketing stuff and more really like leading with my heart doing um, like, for example, I just did opened up this summer business immersion for entrepreneurs and it was, I didn't make a sales page. I sent out like three emails, made a couple of Instagram posts. I wanted 15 people in it. I got 14. They're awesome. Like I didn't do any sales calls or anything. It was just wow. like the easiest thing. Cause it was just like an aligned offer. It was something I was really passionate about. I wanted to do, I communicated it clearly and boom, here we are, you know? So I, I want to do business more like that. Um, organically passion driven and honestly then following uh you know the strategies and this that and like all the fancy schmancy online stuff which there's there's nothing wrong with it it's just like really not not my jam and more in-person stuff for sure so um i love doing things online i think it's an amazing miracle that we can reach people all over the world i mean i have women in my audience i think on almost 
every continent, six continents at least, probably yeah. not Antarctica, right? Well, but, you never know. She could be in a research facility. <laughs> never know. But um, to be with women in rooms in real life, as well as uh, doing more speaking and teaching like in person, like being in rooms. That's what I'm really, I'm, I'm wanting more of that in the space. So that's kind of a hybrid answer to your question. No, I love it. And I think it's really honest and really truthful. So yeah. And with your energy, I think you need to be. Yeah, but really, <laughs> I get that feedback all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, get in a room. Let's make some magic. Yeah, but I mean, it's funny that you say that because it is such a, a, a divergence from, you know, the Cutco days, you know, where you were literally probably had a script and you were, you know, just going house to house and, and getting it done. So I love that. Really not though, because you're connecting with people and you're in their home and it's so personal. Yeah. I think a lot of that actually set me up for this because I'm so sensitive anyway. You're like kind of picking up on things and developing the communication skills, being able to listen. So there's some overlap, but yeah, for sure. It's, I was thinking about this the other day when I was looking at like our sales for the year so far. And I'm like, it's such an amazing thing that like all of these sales came from things that I created myself. Yeah. Not like someone else's product. Like that's cool to me. Yeah. I love that. And that's a whole nother topic that we could get into another time, like intuition and yeah. You know, alignment like that. Oh, I love it. So if people do want to work with you and they want to find the stress assessment, um, how do they find you? Best way to find everything is go follow me on Instagram. It's Elizabeth Dialto. And I have one of those convenient little link tree links in my profile. Cause I have a couple different websites, but the link tree will always have recent podcast episodes, our workshops, the trust assessment is on there, my Patreon page and all the other things we do there. So, um, Follow me on Instagram, click that little link tree link in my profile and the world's your oyster. Guys, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening. You know, the people that have been coming back week after week, I so appreciate you. And if you're new to the show, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I've just had a blast doing these and the response I've gotten is amazing. And let's just keep this community going. So if you enjoyed the content you've heard today, please don't hesitate to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. It helps so much with the ratings and just bringing more awareness to the show. So please, please, please do that. And if you haven't already, please check out our Facebook group. It's the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast group on Facebook. Click to join and get connected. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi offers completely non-GMO organic superfood blends that makes incorporating really good nutrition into your diet insanely easy. You literally do not have an excuse not to get your fruits and veggies anymore because they've done all the work for you. And if you use the code UNSTRESSED, you will receive 15% off your purchase at OrganifiShop.com. This episode is also sponsored by Sunday Scaries. These are the CBD gummies that are amazing for stress, anxiety. If you just want to feel a little more energized or regain your focus without all of that background chatter in your mind that's not serving you, use the code UNSTRESS for 10% off your purchase at 4sundayscaries.com. Lastly, this episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. If this is a company you haven't heard of, believe me, in the next year or two, you will. They are doing amazing things in the world of medicinal mushrooms. Uh, right now, I'm kind of obsessed with their hot cacao with reishi, which is something I'll drink before bed every night. And it's just so relaxing, so calming, and so good for you. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Also, if you love coffee, but you hate the way it makes you feel like jittery, stress, just not well, then they have a ton of uh, mushroom blends for coffee. Uh, they also have a really good matcha. So go to foursigmatic.com and use the code unstressed to save 15% off.